welcome to Jurassic Park 3 Minute, we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And Dave. And back to end out the week, we've got Mr. J Jurassic back, hello. Hey, what's up guys? <laughs> back again, back again to uh, continue this little venture into the laboratory. Yes. <laughs> um, before we get into today's minute, bringing up a featured article over on Jurassic-pedia.com, Oz Sauna is um, from the movie canon. After recently getting some of those videos from uh, Mark Todd and that, we've got the uh, topographic maps of Sauna up over there on that site. So mm-hmm. uh, head over head over to the link, check um, Isla Sauna uh, Site B movie canon, and um, have a bit of read for it. There's some great information there, and and again, just those maps are great to see. Yeah, um, topographic maps are something that I recently added thanks to. Um, Todd Marks releasing his full GPS run through on on the Facebook. Yeah, yep. So head over there. Link will be on the uh, on your podcast window screen, <laughs> whatever it is when you play <laughs> it. Anyway, <laughs> whatever that is. There you go, my friend. Make sure you get as close as you can. I'll give you something extra if you make it a good trip. <laughs> I'm gonna get you close, my friend. But not too close, eh? You don't want to be eaten. <laughs> All right, guys, ready to get into 39? Sure. As we entered minute 38 of Jurassic Park 3, Paul had tried in vain to kick in the vending machine and started limping off after the others. We'd followed Grant and the crew down a long hallway into a platform looking out over the hatchery production floor. As we open on minute 39, Grant continues to walk down the stairs to the floor. Incubators line the general walkway in the middle, and massive crane arms hang from the ceiling, servicing the incubators. The space is massive. Catwalks line the walls on the first story. At the nine second mark, we cut to one of the incubators, and one of the crane arms is seemingly pushed through the glass bubble on top. Broken eggs lay inside. At the 21 second mark, we come to an open incubator with broken eggs inside. Amanda picks up a piece of eggshell and asks Grant, is this how you make dinosaurs? Grant comes into frame and says, no, this is how you play God. Paul approaches and stands on a piece of eggshell on the floor. It makes a loud crack and he looks up, knowing the noise has travelled. At the 31 second mark, we cut to a fetus in a large tank of formaldehyde. Billy's camera flash goes off as he comes up into view. Amanda looks at the fetus inside and continues to walk past to the next tank which seems to have a small carnivore inside. She passes two more tanks, before coming to one that seems to have a large raptor head inside. And as the minute ends, she intriguingly starts to look closer at the tank. As we continue at a minute 39, Grant and the others are continuing to walk down the um, stairs towards the main production floor. Um, and again, we continue to get that, that sort of pan flutes playing. I'd heard a long time ago people were comparing this score here saying it was just the um, the raptor hatching from the first film but I've done some listing of both tracks the last couple of days and they're clearly different they are different but you can t- clearly but in the same vein I will say that the soundtrack here was definitely inspired by hatching baby raptor from the first movie yeah mm-hmm. yep. yep which is just great that, that call back to, back to the first of the eggs that we've seen in the first film and here we are back and you just imagine this place back in the heyday when 
these eggs are getting ready to hatch and everything else. But, mm-hmm. um, you can also see cat, catwalks running for the length of the area up on the first floor landing. Um, in many descriptions, including the script and novelization, that um, the area is sort of described as having conveyors that crisscross at different levels, but uh, we don't actually see them here in the film. Um, mm-hmm. And that's also how it's described in the novel as well. But as they reach the floor, there's incubators on either side of the central walkway. Behind them, some smaller tables with tubing and large mechanical arms that are sort of hanging from the um, hanging from the roof here. And it seems like there's probably one arm per four incubators. Does it does it look like the arm? I, I can't remember right now at the moment. But does it is this similar to the arm that they have in the original Jurassic Park? No, no, no very different, right? Yeah. Very yeah. different, right? Okay. Yep. Well, that the the other thing that's different too is the fact that the arm in Jurassic Park just had sort of the, the clawed hand on the end of it to be that little gag of grabbing the egg out of Alan's hand, um, and it, it sort of rotated the eggs as well, which. Um, here we don't in these incubators we don't really see anything like that they've, they've got the little recesses for the eggs to sit and these mm-hmm. sort of big arms have got sort of needles and injection injection equipment on the end with um, some small sort of glass cylinders with liquid in them so, so their exact purpose is not really known so in a way it, it really is uh, goes back to what Hammond said where it's that's more uh, Jurassic Park is more like something for the tourists, you know. That's they didn't need like a like a very like I don't know high technology high technology type of arm <laughs> to grab these eggs. Not like the facility we're looking at right now, where it has like different functions. The other one was kind of like just move the egg around, and that's it. This one, yeah, yeah, okay. Just, All right. This- feels much more industrial I'd have to say right right mhm kind of like a conveyor yeah, yeah. belt type of line mm-hmm. yeah mm. yeah and that's yeah it's sort of it's never really alluded okay maybe it's some sort of temperature control for the eggs in Jurassic Park but why that arm's there and why it's turning the eggs there's um there is a dome like sort of suspended above that incubator that we don't we only get a couple of glimpses of but it's not actually down actually I think when the um when they first come in and do the uh, the sit down tour and go past the lab, I'm pretty sure there's a shot in there when the um, there's a scientist putting the egg into that incubator, mm-hmm. and then the, the top comes back down over it to sort of keep that humidity and the heat to the mm-hmm. eggs. Yes, you're right. I do remember that too. Yep. I also remember in the novel that they did that as well. They had the um, like a layer of mist. Mm, yeah. Described the hatchery room as being like designed specifically to be to replicate the Jurassic environment because yeah. that yeah that and that that sort of leads to a whole other sway of issues where people have sort of brought up well dinosaurs oxygen in the air and all that was different now to what it was back then and even yes the conditions that the uh, parents had to go to we sort of it's mentioned in novels as well some of like the um, hadrosaurs and that putting wet wet leaves and um, moss and that over the eggs mm-hmm. to keep to keep the temperature in and because they're not sort of like chickens they don't just go and sit on their eggs <laughs> to keep them warm yeah. you imagine Rex, imagine Rexy sitting on a nest with a couple <laughs> eggs under it because <laughs> um I was actually I actually just saw uh, not too long ago a documentary on this with um that had to do with the difference of how some animals nested were nesting with their eggs and some others you know they just like buried their eggs um 
it depends also on the type of egg, if it's a hard shell egg or it's soft shell, like how you see crocodiles and alligators, they kind of just bury the nest under this like warm and moist mm. type of dirt to keep the shells from drying. So yeah. um, it depends on what we're looking at with these dinosaurs. We don't really know. I, I know they look like hard shell, but then again, it, it, different species might make different type of eggs. And um, some dinosaurs did nest on their eggs. Like I think it's oviraptor that was found nesting over her eggs. Um, at first they thought it was like, like a predator was eating those eggs then they found out no that's her eggs so it kind of did like you know like sat like a hen like a chicken but then you have the apatosaurs and the sauropods where which um scientists believe that they buried the eggs and they just kind of like hatched on their own and kind of alligators and crocodiles kind of do that you know they have the they're, they're overprotective of their nest but they don't sit on top of their nest they kind of just bury them with like moist dirt and so that um the incubation could be uh with about warm temperature it could be about keeping the moist in the air you know it could be so many different things to keep these eggs in perfect condition so the animals can hatch you know yeah yeah and that sort of leads into another thing too with um the eggs themselves like yeah that's that's how they would have um populated sauna once they were released Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously on instinct, because they're all um, juvenile animals. Um, just that insect in, instinct to breed and nest would have been there for most of them. That's how they sort of populated. But here it, in the novels, it's described as they use plastic, a plastic egg. Um, but in the films, in that Jurassic Park, um, ostrich they use um, unfertile ostrich eggs or something. So. We can only assume that they've got some sort of a supplier <laughs> that's supplying all these eggs mm-hmm. um, to be used that way. So then that that sort of makes makes it one to two. Would the uh, infants come to term in the egg as easy as they would in their own natural egg, or because um, they're only sort of just using a substitute here to get these animals grown? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not quite sure what kind of egg they're using here in the um, in the this assembly line area but they don't look like they to be the same they look like almost like unfertilized emu or ostrich eggs yeah yeah they definitely look like ostrich eggs <laughs> you, can, you can get them you can get them for ten ten dollars off eBay quit it pretty easily mm-hmm. <laughs> if you are uh, if you want to set up a little diorama for these but um, I think that'd be, because that's the thing. Like in in the novel, Ingen create their own plastic egg to um to bring the infants up in. Where here, it's it's something completely different. So that's just another one of them sort of differences between the film and what we got in the novels. But um, as they sort of walk down these stairs, they got those. They're a one-ton cube container for storage of liquids and that that are sort of stacked up behind them. Now they're not time accurate at all. There, that's that's 2000 set dressing there. If ever I've seen it. <laughs> Um, but uh, at the far side of the wall you can see sort of the large smoky windows which everything I've looked at this this is filmed and set up inside Eddie's garage that same um, Southwind shipping yard in um, LA um, I'm not sure about that I know that behind the gates recently like just posted like either today or yesterday uh, concept art of the actual warehouse where they built this 
and it was like a they did a digital overlay. There was a picture on top of the actual warehouse, and then there was a digital overlay of the concept art that they that they did. And it almost looks yeah, like a old... storage warehouse of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is there is that sort of set. I think some they found it when they were going through the Universal Archives and found the the um, set plans, like the side cross set um, design for this area. But the windows are sort of tilted in a way that we don't see in any of the uh, the buildings from that high up view. So again, that might be just that that high up view being a little bit different CG wise to uh, to what we get here in the film, but. It sort of this reminds me a lot, especially when we get to the kennels as well. Reminds me a lot of that PS1 um, Lost World game where you play as the human in the engine facilities, just those massive square windows. And interesting that coming up before this. <laughs> no. But again, like just again the, the dirty windows, you can't see what's outside, obviously, because it's it's not something the filmmakers want you to see outside. But it's just letting that natural light in and sort of illuminating the room. But as the group move on, the, comp- the camera pans from one incubator to the other, and clearly not the same design- designed incubators as we've seen in Jurassic Park, these ones being more industrial um, and handling a lot more eggs. I think they hold about nine to ten each. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in a row uh, behind the left side of incubators, you can see those large tanks filled with formaldehyde. Um, and as we come to uh, the first incubator, it's actually open. Amanda picks up a piece of egg and asks Grant, uh, this is how you make dinosaurs, and yeah. Grant says, "No, this is how you play God." Now, interesting. Dun, I dun, dun, dun. Up, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I brought up uh, Ricardo Delgado a couple times in our records. Uh, he was a concept artist and a storyboard artist on Jurassic Park Three, and he a couple of the ones he's published show that one way that the raptor got in was by entering the actual into the lab itself through like a hole in the wall that had been hidden behind some bushes mm. and then the raptor follow we see the raptor we we would have seen the raptor following our characters um uh, through the uh hatchery before sticking his head into the um in, into the in, in uh what was it like a tank whatever it was yeah yeah yeah, we'll we'll bring up that that and the the supreme intelligence that this raptor shows by setting this little trap in a minute when we get to the end of this minute. And then, um, interesting enough, he also would have included. He also, as a pitch idea, had included. Um, it looked like a pair of mosasaurs, small ones, just kind of floating in a tank in one of the tanks. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll get to those tanks in a minute. Um, sort of quickly here um, it's sort of interesting that these incubators still have eggs in them and we're sort of told, Hammond told us in the Lost World that the hurricane hit and they had to evacuate in a hurry and what animals they did have alive were released to mature on their own but it just sort of seems weird that all this has just been left here um, eggs eggs included and yes they're all broken whether they've all hatched and that's where a lot more animals have got out um sort of mention here too, like the DPG saying they've gone back and spent a year there redoing or researching animals. Um, did they just again up and leave everything here as well? 
it's it's just weird the fact that all these eggs are still sitting here. Um, pretty much like Ingen just flicked the light switch off and walked out and left everything. Mm-hmm. They pretty much right. did, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Interesting enough, as you kind of see a booklet on the top of one of the um, the incubators that when Amanda says that this is how you make dinosaurs and you can almost make out some of the details of some of the animals that looks like they've been cloning in the incubator and among them looks like because the, they used like the Lost World concept art for these images you can kind of make out the lines of them one of them's Tronodon one of them's I oh. think either Velociraptor or Gallimimus I can't tell Hmm. Uh, Stegosaurus under that one, and then there's just like a blotchy, squarish thing. I'm not sure what it is. And then underneath that, I can't make out what it is. Might be my Mentiosaurus. I can't tell. Well, that that raises an interesting question here too. Like, do we think this is the only um, hatching? I'm going to call it a hatchery, like hatchery floor here, where the eggs sort of come to term and hatch. Um, because yeah. all these incubators, the egg spaces are all exactly the same size. Now, like one one thing with Jurassic World, where we sort of look through the lab there with the incubators, and that you can see like there's football size eggs, there's small eggs the size of a hand. Um, there's different range in egg size. Where here, everything seems to be the same. Well, first of all, the warehouse shape itself does not match up with the exterior of the warehouse where we know the hatchery is that connects to the embryonics administration building. So mm-hmm. I would have to say this is only one of many rooms that they had that they had built um, hatchery equipment in. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's it. Like, if you've got those robotic arms working, if you've got a, a Gallimimus egg in an incubator and then you've got a T-Rex egg beside it or in an incubator beside you're going to have to program that to sort of know that the egg's different shape where here if they have sort of all similar sized herbivores or whatever they can sort of have it all programmed to work here and then also they have the cages as well like all these smaller eggs suit smaller animals when we get to the kennels in a minute they're all smaller cages that these smaller animals would fit in it sort of corresponds to each other probably also what we're seeing that like in Jurassic World um, the technology has vastly improved and mm. you know how they were saying, how, how are we getting a mosasaur? You, there's no mosquitoes like rolling into the the ocean, you know, sucking the blood off of mosasaurs. They they started <laughs> saying that we can get that from the bones and we can get DNA mm. off bones and whatnot. So as the technology improved, probably we're seeing more, I guess, uh, more correct or more. Um, closer DNA sequence to the actual animals. Maybe they're not using ostrich eggs anymore. They're actually using, like, real dinosaur eggs. And maybe back yeah. then, back then when, you know, in this facility right now, they're using that whole um, ostrich egg, um, fake egg, or whatever it is, like, default type of egg for all these dinosaurs in general. You know? Yeah. Could yeah. be that, too. But we cut to uh, Paul walking forward, and he steps on a piece of that eggshell, and you get that loud crack and uh, he looks up worried that the sound might be heard by the others, and I do love how that sound sort of echoes in the space. You can clearly tell it's a massive set. Um, but then we mm-hmm. cut, cut to one of those tanks, and it looks like some sort of infant hadrosaur or something inside. 
all the fetus and the flash goes off and Billy stands up from behind it as he takes a photo. There's, I think there's been a lot of speculation over the years of exactly what these fetuses are, hasn't there, Dave? There has been, yeah. In fact, this is not the only one. The other, We have behind-the-scenes images that suggest that this scene actually would have been longer than what we had as we see a bunch of different fetuses across um, three of these tanks, I guess you'd call them. Mm. And uh, like you said, Hadrosaur has been one of them, one of the uh, proposed. Others have been possibly a Parasaurus or some other, um, some other sauropod like that, maybe Brachiosaurus. I've even actually seen T-Rex be brought up as a possible. But I don't think that this one's a T-Rex. The head, the head shape is just not right for it. Yeah. Well, that's it. Amanda walks past that one and sort of goes from goes to the next tank, and inside you can see a second fetus, which definitely looks more carnival than what the previous one was. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a T-Rex, Allosaurus... Or, uh, was No, Allosaurus wasn't on the list, was it? Not um, not until um, Engine cloned it later for Jurassic World. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Mm-hmm. So we sort of pan from Amanda's POV and look at a fourth tank, and this one seems to have a much larger raptor specimen inside. Um, <laughs> as we transition between the tanks, you can sort of see some of the cooling machinery in the background too, which I don't know, you don't really need to keep formaldehyde cool, so I don't know what that's there refrigeration-wise. But um, as the minute ends, Amanda stops by this tank and starts looking closer. At the uh, at the animal inside, as that ominous music begins to mm-hmm. pick up. I think it's interesting that, and I, mar- and I mentioned this, I think, on Jurassic Park, the group, uh, a few weeks ago, and I was looking through this scene, looking at what the upcoming minutes were, and the um, this shot here is the only shot in the entire um, in the entire scene here that uses a green filter. Yes, I mean the 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 tank is uh, not actually filled with green liquid uh, because the raptor's head is in there, so it's, obviously it's open, and you, you can see it's open from the back when the raptor lunges at Amanda in the next minute. But I think it's interesting that in order to kind of play a trick of the mind. Um, we, and make it feel like this is consistent with the other tanks, they applied a green filter to this. Because if you look at the area behind the tank, that has green, it's green as well, and it's colored overly green, not, and it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, the other thing, too, is because it's sort of two different shots here. They've got the head of the raptor inside the tank, but in the next minute when it pulls back and tries to attack it, that tank's full of liquid um, it's trying to allude here that the the reflection of the raptors coming through through that dark liquid, which just wouldn't happen. Um, <laughs> um, Movie magic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of interesting here too, as we move across a couple of the tanks, they're all sort of different levels where some of the liquid inside started to evaporate out or even leak out onto the ground. But yeah. Um, but sort of as as we come into the minute here, we've we've seen the majority of the building now and. This is InGen's factory floor for where the animals were created. Now we've discussed a little bit about um, about what this is, and yes, there's going to be 
more more of these rooms elsewhere for different animals or just for mass producing them. But um, do you, do you guys reckon the film does a good job here of showing us what we wanted to see? We did get a lot more in the in the novel of the lab structure itself, but again, it's an hour and a half movie. They can't go through the whole facility. They can't show us everything. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, like just that shot from above. You see how large the facility is. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish we could have explored more of the facility or something in like later or like later movies, but you know. Hmm. So I'm gonna say it's a no for me just because. Um, I mean, in the novel, it was so much better at explaining the whole the whole thing, and they're explaining how the the low yields would have caused them to ramp up production, and then they go went into DX and. Then they even started looking through and shuffling through some of the paperwork and yeah. saw that they started cloning males. They had the male gallimimus marked there. Yeah, and as they sort of go through the lab, they go through, as they go through it, sort of goes step by step. They've got extraction, they've got all the sequences, they've got um, the computer rooms and all that sort of stuff, where here it's just sort of reception straight to egg hatching now. Mm-hmm. With the uh, rumored overnight stay in the building that was going to happen in one of the original scripts, maybe we would have seen more of the building itself. But again, like here, was just a hatchery. There's no, there's no research. There's no DNA extraction. From memory, too, we've seen this sort of production floor in the novel, but we never actually seen any sort of hatchery or kennels in the novel as well, because it's sort of we had to move on to a different plot point there in the novel. But um, no, but we did. Uh, they were listed among the. Um the type mm. areas when they're going through the um, island uh, region listing. Yeah, yeah, the map map key. Because hmm. um, like even you wouldn't you wouldn't take that baby raptor we've seen in Grant's hand from the first film and just to take it out the back and throw it in one of them kennels. Those that's for <laughs> older animals that have already left the <laughs> already left the nursery. But you just you just imagine like they're the production trying to make. And in the novel, like Malcolm uses the numbers, like for every 100 eggs you inseminate, only one of them would actually come to term and hatch. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that the scene does well in the, in the novel is it starts poking holes at that little tour they got at the beginning of the when they first get to Nublar. Well, let's mention mentions to Fawn and Eddie in the novel that the um, Nublar facility is Mr. Important Step. Mm-hmm. I can't exactly remember what it was now, but it sort of went from the scientists there showing extracting DNA directly to the um, eggs getting ready to hatch. There's that step in the middle that that wasn't sort of addressed in the film or the novel. I, I think um, I think when you watch that uh, Making a Jurassic Park, uh, Crichton's actually on there, and he says, he says, oh, yeah, skip that part, because... Uh, um, I think I think he actually says like I, I just skipped that part because I don't know what that step would be or something like that. So he kind of just left it out. <laughs> well, plus that novel, there's like there's like four or five chapters of just that lab tour <laughs> in that first novel too, like that to mm-hmm. condense a lot of that down for the film with the Mister DNA stuff, just to mm-hmm. just to give everyone the the 101 on how they made dinosaurs and then get back to the rest of the tour. The basic. Um, yeah. But the uh, the other the other thing sort of need to discuss just you know, talk about here is um, the whole DPG thing coming up this last year. Sort of not really knowing how remote facilities work, 
vending machines, car parks, reception desks, <laughs> all that sort of thing. And DPG sort of thinking you can just walk into a building that's been abandoned for six years and flick on the dinosaur making switch. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I get it. Sort of they've just gone for that um, trying to trying to give fans some answers, but just creating a whole <laughs> whole whole new ones. Um, mm-hmm. Like I work in meat processing, and that like that plant's sterilised and cleaned daily. The the guys on the knives are constantly sterilising knives and that, so you don't get infection from carcass to carcass. It's it was the main main plot point in the novel, just how in general fighting infection in the lab, and then for Mazarin to just fly back in here and <laughs> flick this power switch on and start making animals again. I just I can't <laughs> I can't take it <laughs> at all. Yeah. Little iffy. Like at, in in '99, like yes, Masmarani's purchase engine wants to see what they're capable of before investing in another park. Just you've got Wu. Obviously, Wu's still on payroll there. Like he's obviously in his lab or something at headquarters or somewhere. Just go through the files with him and see what you can do. Maybe maybe get an incubator and try and get a couple of animals to grow and then go from there. Yeah, there would have to be like a major overhaul on the whole facility. Uh, new new machines. It, basically, yeah, I I don't think it'd be just a switch and that's it, you know. <laughs> but even the tech, like you look at the computers in Jurassic Park. Yes, they've got supercomputers and that. Those supercomputers back in '93 are probably less powerful than your mobile phone now. Oh <laughs> yeah, just, definitely. That's six years six years processing power and everything would have increased massively. Plus, you got the internet too. Yeah, every but, um, techno- have had... it, technology moves so fast that uh, you know something you buy today is already old technology by tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So yeah, definitely. It'd be like it'd be like if they opened Jurassic World and just went back to Explorers. Like, mm-hmm. okay, it might make more sense, but it's it's sort of the older tech. <laughs> it's it's fifteen years old. We're not going to go with that same sort of stuff again. But yeah, they had to go with the driver spheres. <laughs> yeah. And even like before we mentioned the ostrich eggs, like you'd have to then try and get your supplier and get all that sort of stuff back into motion, mm-hmm. get everything here. It's, yeah. And then again, well, there's eggs, eggs here. What what happened at the end of that period when Mazarani left? Again, they just do the engine thing and just flick the power switch off and walk out. It's I'm not I'm not the best of um I don't even know what they call them. Um, I suppose one one prime example is if your car breaks down on a on an expressway in the snow, you got a flat tire. You don't just leave it and walk home, and never return. Like yes, it's going to be dangerous to go back and fix that tire, but you want to try and recover your vehicle. And it's just it's the same as Jurassic Park where they just fly off into that sunset at the end of the day, and you think well they've just left everything there behind mm-hmm. in the lost in the lost world. Yeah, they did just leave everything there behind because they're facing lawsuits from workers and that. But oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just a shame. It, it, it's it's all it's all answers. We'll never get questions to, and it's just a shame. But yeah, it's 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 cool though that the DPG try to answer a lot of questions. There's always going to be more questions, and you know, there's just some things like you said we're never really going to get the answers to, and we could just let um, wild speculation and fan theory just run wild with it. Yeah, but then again, like it's just. Because one, there's a couple of fans that, oh, the Spinosaur wouldn't act like that. Why does it keep on going after? Why is it a serial killer? Well, <laughs> well, maybe Masmerati went back and created it. It wasn't on InGen's initial list, and 
they created and did something wrong and let it go and that's why it's crazy <laughs> well why isn't ankylosaur why aren't ankylosaurs doing that why don't they just jump in the river and attack the boat when they go flying past them <laughs> or sailing past them later like I, that oh, i don't know man that's <laughs> it's that brachiosaur that comes over and has a look at them as they're drifting past come down pick the boat up and <laughs> or eat someone off the boat just yeah <laughs> yeah i know that's that's the thing the, the animals are being animals here apart mm. from that spinosaur so um, i mean well, that brachiosaur yeah. uh that brachiosaur is a bit different though that that i don't know what the hell that thing was <laughs> <laughs> I will say though that something I do appreciate Spielberg doing is when he took the um, when he started working on Jurassic Park, he was quoted saying, "I had a monster movie on my hands, and the trick was make it it was not to make one." And yeah. so, something that Crichton kind of portrays the dinosaurs as in the novel is very monstrous and almost like these genetic abominations in the movies make an explicit point not to do that. In fact, mm. I mean, Grant straight up says that they're not, they're not monsters. They're just animals doing what they do. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even in this, this film, like the only reason you're saying it is because of what he went through on the island, like mm. the whole engine, um, theme park monsters, nothing more, nothing less. Well, you've seen the awe in his eyes when he got there and seen those herds, out of the plane window like he says oh my god I've forgotten and it was only once they crashed again he's back into screw these animals <laughs> into that mode but, um, but uh, briefly going into the uh, novel and script comparisons uh, as they enter the space they go through the doors to get there which you can sort of see remnants of those doors left up the top of that walkway um, Billy's impressed by what he sees and he asks Grant if he can take some pictures and Grant just nods which Makes you wonder why he's taking photos here, even in the film as well, taking photos of these these fetuses in the formaldehyde tanks and the nests and the, or the incubators and that. Like, does he have any plan? Is this going to be um, some sort of bribe? <laughs> he's going to bribe whatever's left of InGen at the day to get some money for the dig site, or um, or are they just going to be little souvenir photos to go along with the eggs when he tries to auction them off? <laughs> I I think with the eggs, yeah, that was the uh, the bribe. But I think with the pictures, that I think that might have been just more for himself, just from the the talk that he had about using that glider or whatever and like uh, hanging off a mountain or something. It seems like he has like an explorer type of uh, personality yep. where he probably is taking trips and adventures and and seeing this island was another adventure for him. Yet at the back of his mind, he's he's thinking also like, well, it's an adventure, but it also might be an investment. But with the pictures, mm. I think it's kind of like us going around and taking Instagram pictures, you know, just for himself. Yeah. More than yeah. a plan. I think the eggs were the plan, though. The eggs definitely were. <laughs> yeah. And the plan. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And one thing, too, I only noticed it when I went back and looked um, at that last couple of minutes where Grant goes back and he's at the nest. He, we don't see his camera in that camera bag again for the rest of the film. And I sort of mentioned here in the script that that the uh, camera's not in the bag and it hasn't been since he took the photos of the raptor nest um, and he quickly reaches into the bag to get a roll of film before anyone can see which one <laughs> film in 2001 that was right on the cusp of <laughs> becoming obsolete oh yeah definitely um, Amanda passes large cylindrical tanks with half formed embryos floating in the formaldehyde um, genetic experience gone awry and finally she reaches wrapped her head floating in a tank intrigue she looks closer but a little bit too close 
and as the raptor lunges for her, it sort of freshes its arms widely and some of the saliva goes on her face as well, which we don't really see in the film either. But yeah, that's minute 39. I suppose one thing we didn't touch on is just mm. that here they've sort of mentioned that it's genetic experiments gone awry where... I don't know, like, it's odd. In that, um, again, in the lab where we first get um, Claire come on the scene with the investors, you got that sort of backbone in the tank with all the bubbles. It seems like they're harvesting DNA off a dead animal or something to reuse instead of creating their own or getting it from the amber or wherever they get it from. Where here, you've still got the electrodes and that on the heads of the animals, so it sort of seems like they were alive, like taking brainwaves or something <laughs> when... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alive, and then they just they just died in there. Yeah, that's, that's what I always felt because I mean, they have all this kind of wiring in them, and I think that, or at least in my head canon, I like to think that they were kind of trying to figure out um, what, or at least maybe Wu was, because ever the tinkerer Wu was um, trying to understand different or maybe better ways to harvest DNA or maybe just figure out ways to um, understand the process of how these animals form, like growth mm. and development, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's like if, if they had a raptor come out that was missing an arm, he'd be dissecting that and taking, sort of trying to map the DNA to find out what gene mm -hmm. didn't, um, didn't work for that arm not to grow or that sort of thing. So it's sort of, it is sort of weird just having these these fetuses in the formaldehyde it, like this. It also could be uh, kind of like um, uh, I don't know if you saw a, it's I think within the last year I had seen something about how they're growing goat fetuses or lamb fetuses in bags, and they're just watching the process of like what they would be you know how they'd be growing inside the mother's womb. But they see it inside a bag, so they see the animal's growth rate and and how how it actually becomes the uh, the animal that's supposed to become. Maybe that's what they were watching in some of those tubes, kind of like what what uh they said. But you know, <laughs> just uh, mm. I don't. Have you guys seen that? It's very weird. I don't know. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> it's it it looks really cool. It really does. It's yeah. a, it's it's like in a big plastic bag, and like they're growing. The goat fetus in there, and then like um, they didn't show like a small fetus. It was like a a, a big baby goat. Like it, it had its legs and everything. And it was ready to hat um, be born basically, and it was inside a plastic bag. And uh, I don't know. It's it's crazy that they're doing things like this. But I feel like well maybe that's what they're doing. You know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I see. I see ears attached to the back of mice, and that's where I can draw the line. Oh yeah, man. That's <laughs> genetic <laughs> research. Yeah, they are. You know, well, these movies are pretty much that emphasis of like us playing God and and messing around with Mother Nature all the time. That's what these movies are about. And the message is clear with Jurassic Park Three that man, we messed around with it way too much. <laughs> like yeah, these dinosaurs yeah. are running amok, like. Raptors are super intelligent. Spinosaurs are out there um, watching too many horror movies. Um, <laughs> Pteranodons are the scariest thing ever if you run across them on a bridge. Like, <laughs> so yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's it. I suppose we can just briefly, while we got you, Joe, um, just the whole plan of the Raptor here. Of, I'm going to sneak in and hide behind this tank and wait for one of them to get close enough that I'm going to snap at them. <laughs> and I'll it just the cartooniness of, of what it's doing here. Yeah, I, I've um, seen that on a lot of, like, um, Jurassic Park 3 movie reviews. Um, a lot of the critics and guys reviewing that on YouTube always say the same thing. It is kind of weird that a raptor would do that. Like, But then again, if you're trying to go by, like, how intelligent these raptors are in this movie, for some, you know, for some reason they're, they, they got that up. When we begin the film, we hear Grant say that, you know, they were smarter than than primates so if they're trying yeah. to go by that mentality then that would be a reason to prove that by having this raptor just kind of like well i will do something that like not an animal of its species would do almost human kind of thinking where it's just gonna wait you know uh hmm. you, you, you have some animals that like uh do that kind of pouncing like cats do that or whatever they wait a little bit this is way too on the high intelligence realm. So it's a little kind of funny for an animal to do that in a movie. But then again, if we're going by like how intelligent they're trying to make these animals to be in this movie, it, it makes sense in a way. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we sort of mentioned in Lost World how the raptors there were nesting close to the worker village and mm-hmm. staying close to the, the human sort of main structures. And here... Yes, the nesting site's a little bit away up on top of the hill and outside the valley, but there's there's signs here, definitely here in the next minute when we get to the kennels, that these raptors know these facilities. Um, they know their way around. Like even oh, yeah. even in a couple of minutes' time when that raptor gets out of the kennel and comes straight back out the front of the embryonics administration to the steps, like it seems like these animals are sticking to the human-made structures. Yeah, um, yeah, they knew their food was there, you know? yeah. Yep. Easy food, I guess I would say. Um, they also stick. Uh, if you saw, they were kind of their nesting grounds weren't that far from um, from like the herd areas because you kind of see them mm. uh, run out on that field. And that was like first time we actually see them run. You know, later we would see it in Jurassic World, but the first time we see them run out like out in the open, that uh, shows how fast they really were. Um, so I feel yeah. Well, it just goes back to that line from Muldoon from yeah, the first film. Sixty something took... <laughs> miles per hour. They're out in the open. So, yeah. so yeah. So unfortunately, we get there and it's only about ten seconds of blur. <laughs> oh yeah, it was super fast. You know, uh, it was like a tease. But um, it basically it basically shows them that they were there. They were by the herd areas and they knew the human. Uh, facilities very well and also in Lost World when you see them like um, you you know we like to say that the Lost World ones were very savage or very crazy but you see them working together when they're trying to dig under that door that's Mm -hmm. something uh, like a smart animal would do knowing that it can't open that door it's like let's dig under it you know (laughs) you heard that that was my phone (laughs) (laughs) That's my phone. I have the 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 ringtone, the Caritel Payton Times Plus. <laughs> yeah, nice. Plus, if they've um if they've got that intelligence too, they might well know and remember when they were in those labs in the kennels. It's probably possible there too that they remember when they were younger and in those in that facility. 
mm-hmm. um, and the people there. But that's it for thirty nine. Um, Jay, you uh, you request these two minutes. Is there anything else from the lab itself you want to talk about? We do go into the kennels next, but I just I, sort of just a it, set of cages. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, like I really like this scene because explored more of like the experimental view of what InGen was doing and just the whole like the thing that this movie brings into the franchise uh, a real positive thing that it brings into it is the mystery behind InGen it brings that um, that sense of well okay they weren't just they didn't just want a dinosaur park they were doing something else like either they were going on something more menacing or you know it's showing that InGen wasn't the company that John Hammond perceived it to be or told you because John Hammond, you know, he was that grandfather type figure. So when you saw him, he was very happy, very nice and all that. But behind that, there was a company that was creating life and experimenting and, and just try and take nature into their own hands, which, um, which very well is showed in this movie. And, um, you see it by the experiment, experiments of like the raptors being so intelligent in this like crazy spinosaurus that was never on the list of like their engine list or their animal list so i like the fact that we got to see some of the like the factory floor you know so it was interesting to see that and it always it i always um you guys know that i like to customize stuff i haven't done it in a long time but like i've always wanted to build that like whole set for like the toys and stuff because it's so cool yeah. it is so cool yeah. like the village the the workers village was always so cool and just this embryonics lab is so cool you know it's how we have the dinosaurs in the film if this place didn't exist exactly there wouldn't be any of it exactly because we know now for a fact that the, the jurassic park little set that we saw in the in that tour the lab tour or whatever was just for show it wasn't really hmm. what you know i mean i guess they might have like a few dinosaurs there they're ready to hatch but basically they're probably grown in sorna and sent over immediately to sh- just to show like um investors maybe you know yeah or, yeah. or s- some tour people maybe you know yeah. i wonder if um i wonder if hammond really made the trip to sauna if he just sort of spent his time in Jurassic Park and he got updates from Wu or someone else to say we got more animals coming and if you're going to take Lockwood into it, maybe that was Lockwood's side of things well, where he sort of looked after Sauna and the darker side of things. Well, if we go by the uh, Jurassic Park um, Trespasser game, I know that's canon sometimes, not really. You know, it depends. Yeah. Um, he, I know in the game he had a uh, he had like a mansion like a a place for himself Mm. so he probably did visit but not as often i don't you know what i mean it's kind of like you ever you guys ever watch um undercover boss yep (laughs) right you never see the ceo really visit his um his like franchise um establishments or whatever like in the show they show him go so they show him going over there, but basically <laughs> he has that stuff run by other employees and managers and whatnot. So if anything, Hammond probably went down there like in the beginning when they opened the facility, uh, 
probably for like the first dinosaur born there and maybe some other important like events but basically lived on nublar rather than Mm. sorna sorna was just like yeah i hope they're doing all right if a problem happened he would show up and he just like probably scold everybody like what's going on yeah you know yeah yeah well we do know from the um from the the unix system in the boot up sequence that there is hammond's residence on nublar so that's the at at this it's sort of it's a lot the same as what happened with Maserani when he finds out what Wu's been up to. Um, where Wu sort of sends him faxes and you want more teeth, so I'll give you more teeth. But he's doing a lot more, walking a lot more of the line than what he should be should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wonder if Hammond had the same problem. Maybe Wu's always been like this. <laughs> he could have he could have well very well have been doing stuff behind his back the entire time. Uh, you know Wu. As a scientist that he is, I don't really see him entirely as a villain. I just see him as somebody just um, with no scruples and just wants to become pretty much a god himself. He wants to be the the guy pushing the limit on the science and and doesn't want anybody really telling him what to do. He just wants to create and do new things with what he wants to he wants to push the envelope basically. Yeah, and yeah. I feel that. Probably on Sorna, he was already doing that, and you see it in Jurassic World. He hasn't. He had his own little hideout facility with all these weird <laughs> animals and stuff going on, and who knows what he's been up to? When in the in Fallen Kingdom, we only got to see the Indoraptor. You know, there could have been other stuff he was doing. And he just he's a scientist that just has forgotten the morals, and just has stepped over the boundary and just keeps. There's no stop to what he can do. So mm. probably Sorna was like the first area where he was already doing things like that. Behind Hammond's back. Yeah, and even the, the Amber Miner tells Gennaro at the start of Jurassic Park that Hammond hates inspections, they slow everything down. So you wonder, Hammond probably isn't even inspecting the facility himself. Probably not. Every now and then as well. Yeah. He probably he's just getting, em- so- he's getting emails or letters from Wu or department mm-hmm. heads saying, this is what we're doing, this is what we're planning on doing. Yep, no worries. He's seen he's seen the animals come into the park from the boat, and he's um, he's enjoying the park side of things and not the not the dirty side of things. Exactly. Like uh, it goes to show you a little bit of his showmanship. Like uh, you know how he's kind of almost like um, what's that guy uh, this the the circus guy. Uh Ring, not ringleader. <laughs> yeah, like a ringleader kind of thing. But uh, there's that yeah. famous Barnum. Barnum, there you go. Barnum or Ringling Brothers? Say again. Uh, Barnum and Ringling Brothers. Yeah, something like that. Like uh, Barnum was like a showman. Um, he didn't care if he got um like fake specimens. I remember there's a story where he had the like fake mermaid and he still showed it off and got money <laughs> off of that. You know, I feel like yeah. like Hammond loved that type of attention. So I think his um, his uh, attention was more to the park, and that's where he was going to be more. So when the guests come along, yes, I did this. This is all me type of situation rather than always be the Sorna. Um, so like you said, like he probably had the uh, department heads, or he, he might have had an assistant we don't know about where it was like his main guy that he sent down there, you know? Mm. Um, to check on things, you know. 
Well, and that yeah, and that sort of again merges between novel and film, where sort of in a novel, Wu was that second in charge of Injin, mm-hmm. or of, of the cloning anyway. So if if Wu's sending him the the okay, then Hammond's not going to look into it much. Yep. But yeah. Anyway, that, that was a pretty big tangent on the end there. <laughs> um, thank happens. you, Jay, for joining us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's why we set set aside plenty of time to record. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, um, what have you been up to? What, what's online? Where can people um, check you out at the moment if they want to find well, you? Well, um, since the last recording, I have opened my YouTube page. I have a YouTube page uh-huh. now. Oh, nice. Um, I have only one video up right now, and I should be having one very uh, second one real soon, and and should be. Doing other things. I have a lot of things planned for the page. Um, been talking to certain people about uh, uh, certain interviews and just certain places I want to go and, and exp- expand that page as much as I can since it is video. Um, I since the last time I've been on the show as well, uh, I had um, Mattel actually sent me a box full of goodies, and I was able. I haven't reviewed every piece, but in the video that I premiered my YouTube page with, I show off what I got from Mattel, which is pretty cool stuff, guys. Um, it was, I was very happy that they sent me stuff. Um, very grateful for that. That's pretty much confirming that you have now made it. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, very cool to get that from Mattel, that recognition, because, like, you, you mean, I've... I've put so much into this franchise, <laughs> my whole life, <laughs> and uh, just like it's really cool that they were able to send me some stuff to me for me to look at and and um you know show you guys as well. Uh, and so like yeah, that's very new. Um, uh, as far as other things like Instagram and Twitter, I'm always on there at um, J Jurassic, which is J A Y E underscore J U R. A S S I C K, and it's the same on on YouTube. You find me under the same name, and so like it'd be cool if you guys go watch that video. And it's called "What's in the Box," and it has a the default picture is a uh, my cat Cheetos like kind of roaring <laughs> on top of the box. <laughs> nice. I'll um I'll put all the links up on this uh this episode release. Awesome. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks again for joining us, Dave. Of course. Thanks for uh, coming back for another week, and uh, we'll be back next week with minute forty. Yeah, minute forty. <laughs> if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com, and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks and it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries now what john hammond and ingen did at jurassic park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters nothing more and nothing less uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto isla sorna and study them if you have the chance no force on earth or heaven could get me on that island 
You're just Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur man!